Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Listen to the Ask Brian Radio Show on KHS 1220 and 98.1 FM. Like no other station in the world. Why do you say that, Pat? There's got to be another station like us somewhere. I, I, it's, there like, it's like aliens. Somewhere in the world there's got to be one. Maybe, maybe, in another, maybe in another planet, maybe. Well, well, so maybe there's another station out there. Maybe there's another Ask Brian. Maybe it's an, an alien Ask Brian. <laughs> So, people that have never listened to the Ask Brian radio show basically interview each week a startup company, a CEO, a new concept, or someone that can teach business lessons to people. And this show is like any other show that we've done. People also ask me all the time about Ask Brian. They always ask, why? Why do you spell Brian with an E? And why do you use Brian when your name is Peter? So, without any further ado, how do you spell that? A-D-I-E-U. Why do I like that name? Because every single letter except the D is a vowel. That's correct. So many people don't understand why we chose Brian. We chose Brian for two reasons. One of which is if you ever try to get a domain name and you look up all the possible domain names with a proper noun, there's only three available. It was Ask Milk, Ask Hall, or Ask Brian with an E. And since I drink once in a while and go to O'Brien's, <laughs> the pub. I'm not gonna lie. I, I'm not gonna lie though. Ask Milt would have been really funny though. <laughs> my name's Milt, and I never heard a Hall. And then sure. my until my sister told me, "Hey, uh, my nephew's name is Alex Hall Moffley Bronstein." I was like, "Okay." <laughs> I didn't even know it was a name. <laughs> I thought it was like play, you know the place I go down the street to play pool. So when I was growing up, everyone spelled Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, B-R-I-A-N. Not too many people spelled it with an E unless they were Irish. So Patrick has volunteered today. What? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What? So why, besides the E standing for engineer or excellent or experts, why why why, why do you have the E? Well, you know what? Okay, fine. You took three of them away. Fine and dandy. He took away. I want because you have three gongs. You're out. So this nope, way, you're right. You can't get at, thrown out. Okay. You didn't think. About well, it that you way. know what? You're right. Well, right. you know what? I'll give you the ones that you didn't go for. So the other ones we have that actually have to do with you know the Ask Brian show and like the kind of symbolic and themes with our show. Not the ones that you said. We have effort because everybody here gives 110 percent effort of what they do here at the Ask Brian. And show. I still don't understand how you can give more than 100 percent. Go beyond your limits. Well, even if you go beyond your limits. How is that possible? I, listen, listen. I, I don't know, but it's it's All right. it happens. <laughs> Let's see. We have uh, experts, which leads us to experts because everybody on the Ask Brian show is an expert in some form of, of their whatever their field is. What are you an expert in? Engineering. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and then there are two other ones that, uh, that these ones happen to be your forte. So I'll do one. You obviously do the other. There's uh, excitement and enthusiasm. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> if you're not enthusiastic and you're not excited, you're just not going to make it. This is true. <laughs> it's also reference to passion. Very true. Very what true. else? Let's see. I'm never empathetic. 
Did you you already took empathy though, didn't you? No, I'm just saying that. Oh, well, and then yeah, empathy. Let's highlight the fact that he said he's never empathetic. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> Progress. Progress. <laughs> I'm in the 12 step program. <laughs> I think we got everything. Or are there the new ones? I don't remember the new ones. Well, enlighten me. We, we've been hey. Going, we've been going, <laughs> that starts with an E. We've been going for a while, and you know our guest is like anxiously waiting, and he's all nervous, and he's freaking out, and he doesn't know what's going to happen. And I do know this person for more than one year, more than a couple years. So without any further ado, three decades. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Uh, uh, now everyone's going to think we, I'm old. Are we, that, we are. We are that old, Peter slash Brian. <laughs> So without any further ado, we're going to introduce our co-host, Tracy. Tracy, you there? I am here. Hello, everybody. And then we have an excellent guest that I've known for a couple years. His name is David. Ben! That was impressive, Peter. Uh, Tracy, <laughs> pleasure to be here. Patty, thanks for uh, inviting me. Of course, of course. And by the way, I'm learning yodeling, so next show I might be able to do it with a yodel. And next year I won't be here when that happens. <laughs> so we're here, David. I know a little bit about your background, but nobody else does. So I wanted to quickly go over your background, and I'm going to go over what you're working on currently. You have quite a successful career. I know you started out that very, very big and famous company that uh, I was part of as well. What was that company name? It uh, was named Mailboxes, etc., the fastest-growing franchise at the time. Uh, I think we were opening up one franchise every day, so that was a... Great success story led by Tony DeSia, which ultimately was sold to UPS and became the UPS store. And so you started out working there right out of college? Right out of college. Yes, that's where I met you and had the fortune of working closely with you uh, from a legal and marketing perspective and was there for about five years and then parted ways because Coldwell Banker, which was right up the road at the time, Corporation asked me to come work for them in the marketing department. So I had a senior level marketing position with Coldwell Banker. And from there, that only lasted about a year. And then we got bought out by a company called HFS, Hospitality Franchise Systems, which evolved into Sending Corporation. And that was a uh, Fortune 500 publicly traded company. And so I moved back east and spent about five, six years on the East Coast and started a division with some of my colleagues called the Preferred Alliance Division, which generated about $100 million in just a few years. And I think at that time, we were up to almost 12, 13 franchises, ranging from Coldwell Banker, since they got acquired, to Century 21, Sotheby's. Uh, hospitality franchise system started as a hospitality, obviously, a company, and they owned Wyndham and Ramada, Days Inn, Travelodge, the list goes on and on, as well as Avis uh, Rent-A-Car, Budget Rent-A-Car. So got to really cut my teeth into franchising with Mailbox, et cetera, but I carried that experience over to Coldwell Banker and thus Sending Corporation. And then from there, ended up back on the West Coast, and I was the chief operating officer for about six, almost seven years for Realtor.com. So all those who are looking for homes, which seems to be frequent nowadays, and seeing the home prices skyrocket, uh, Realtor.com was the number one real estate website uh, back uh, when we were running it. So with my business partner, who is my business partner today, Adam Leff, he was the head of marketing and uh, I oversaw the operation side of it. Well, that's a very impressive resume you got there. So you said your partner uh, was in charge of marketing. You were what? the uh, what, what was your position at Realtor? I was chief operating officer. So basically had to make sure that uh, 
everything was running on time. So marketing, operations, sales, the MLS data, so on and so forth. So it was a big position. It was a great opportunity. Although it wasn't a franchise business, we had over a million realtors that we were serving and had the honor of serving because Realtor.com was the site for the National Association of Realtors, which is the biggest trade organization in the country. So yeah, it was a fun job. And Adam and I worked together on that for about, like I said, six, seven years. And then Adam convinced me to start our own company. So that was my first foray into the entrepreneurial industry, if you will. And we started our own company. And today it's called Merchant Centric. And that's what I've been doing and have been working close with Adam. And we have a team of about uh, 50 or so in our company. And what, what is Merchant Centric? Yeah, Merchant Centric, very high level. What we do is we help all sorts of businesses, whether they're individual mom and pop businesses, independents, or large brands. Really, our whole goal has always been and continues to be, it's about increasing revenue for them. And we do that in primarily two different ways, through enhanced customer engagement. And I'll explain what that means in a second, as well as really uncovering actionable insights that help improve their operations, which thus will lead to to more revenue. So we have right now a little over 50,000 customers, location customers, and essentially what our platform does in very simple terms is it allows businesses, again, whether they're one individual business or a large brand, and we have you know several customers that are well over 1,000 locations, where they can compare their, they can easily and effectively enhance their customer engagement on top review sites like Google, Yelp, Facebook, TripAdvisor. So it aggregates all those consumer reviews and allows that business to be able to engage instantaneously with their with their customer. So that's one benefit. The other thing our, our platform does is it's very it's great competitive intelligence. It allows our businesses to compare their consumer reviews and their ratings to their competitors from the brand level all the way down to the location level. It also, from an analytical perspective, and this is really where we have a huge differentiation, we have, and this is all proprietary software that we've developed, our proprietary analytics allows businesses to identify where they can improve their operation to increase their revenue. So it goes into all the review content and identifies specifically where they can improve their typically operations. I would say 90% of the time it has to do with operations. And then finally, what we do is we provide really, I think, the best reporting out there from from you know, senior management all the way down to the location level to track the business's results and their success. So um, our database right now has over 19 million businesses where if you were a client of ours, you could go right into the platform and choose any of those businesses that are competitive to you and see how they're doing through all the review content. Uh, we've got 835 million reviews in our database, uh, which go back many, many years. So we use that for some of our analytics to pinpoint and spotlight what is important to the business to drive revenue. So anyone can sign up. So you could be a mom and pop. You could own a furniture store down the street on Main Street where we are in Newhall. Or you could be uh, McDonald's Corporation say, i got 50,000 locations in uh, Western California. I want them all to sign up. So you take anyone, correct? Yeah, we take any any business that's brick and mortar, so consumer facing. You can walk in and, and do business with them. So our key categories range from food and beverage, so restaurants. Automotive is a big vertical for us. Health services. We have thousands of veterinarians, as an example. Dentists, doctors, because you can imagine the reviews online on those sites are extremely important to those businesses and those practitioners. So those are some key categories. But we also have the largest publicly traded mortuary cemetery business in the country with almost 2,000 locations. So it's anything that serves the customer because 
all customers or guests or clients, depending on which vertical it is, they all love to write reviews and really share what went well and where could there be improvement with the business. Well, so how do you aggregate so many reviews? I mean, I would think that somehow you've got to get, anytime somebody makes a review anywhere, somehow it's got to get onto your platform. How does that happen? That is through, uh, and that's really one of the assets that we have, is through a proprietary technology where we go out and get those reviews. And I can share with you, a lot of that experience came from when we were at Realtor.com and we were aggregating all the MLS content. So this is not easy to do. And we took really a couple of years to develop the technology before we went out and started selling it. And so we aggregate it through our own technology, a proprietary technology, which brings it into to the platform. That's what our customers were asking for. They're, they told us loud and clear, we want to go to one spot and be able to reply and engage with our customers and our guests in one platform. So that's what we worked a couple of years on, and we spent uh, millions and millions on developing that technology. So the data isn't stored, it's just in like in the cloud or somewhere else, and you just, uh, if, so for instance, somebody goes on and I own, I don't know, uh, a furniture store in, in Newhall, so it'll pop up, and then I get access to all of my reviews wherever it's posted, or is it, or it must be limited to a certain group, right? You said Yelp, Google, is it any review? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So we focused on what we think are the key and the most important review sites, consumer review sites. So Yelp, Google, Facebook. TripAdvisor has a lot of reviews. Uh, they're growing. And then you can get very segmented as well, especially during COVID, as you can imagine. One of the industries that was hit the hardest was the restaurant category. And so free of charge, we developed a um, what we called our COVID spotlight report because there's a lot of mentions, especially in 2021, from consumers that were going in and experiencing, it could be any business, but in this case, the restaurants. And whether people were wearing, uh, employees were wearing their masks or their gloves or how, you know, were they social distancing? So we were able to, through, again, our artificial intelligence, identify in all the review contents for that business, whether it was at the individual location or rolls up into a region or ultimately at the corporate level, which locations were following protocol and which ones weren't. And I think it's a pleasant surprise and good news that a lot of businesses out there were doing a great job managing COVID and and making sure that they they were being safe. And they were using the reviews, quite frankly, as promotional, uh, as a promotional vehicle to be able to go out and talk to consumers to reassure them, come to XYZ restaurant or, you know, XYZ automotive, and you will have a great experience because look at what our customers are, are saying about us. So, it, you know, COVID kind of has a negative connotation, obviously, but you can actually turn that around. And there were many, many businesses across the country that did a great job managing it. Well, you know, XYZ Restaurant and XYZ Automotive are my favorites, so I go to both of those places. <laughs> I'm surprised you mentioned them, but nice yeah. plug for XYZ. <laughs> and we're not talking about the zipper company. So some of the people want to know, if I have a business, okay, and I'm, I've got all these reviews, are you going to help me write the review? Are you going to give me tips and educational information on what I can do for a bad review? Or, you know, how does that work? Yeah, excellent question. So the answer to that is when we started, it was all self-serve and you have to reply on your own. But we do give 
suggested replies, again, through our AI on how to address it based on the sentiment. Was it a positive or a negative or neutral? What was the main point of the review? Did it have to do with their product? Did it have to do with the service? Did it have to do with their atmosphere within the, the, the business? And we've evolved, so we still offer that. That's important to have self-serve, but we also are getting ready to reply to our 700,000th review because our customers are saying, can you do this for us? And we do have a full-service aspect to it, and we've been doing that for probably four years now, and it's uh, it's done very, very well. Uh, you have to understand the voice of the client as well as how do they want to reply and escalation processes and so on and so forth. So we offer both self-serve as well as full-serve. Anyway, we have a co-host. Tracy, you there? I am here. So let's walk through what other service offerings you have and then an area where maybe you're going to be, might have a void in those service offerings that you're going to plug that hole in. Sure. Thanks, Tracy. So, yeah, I, I kind of went right into, which is still extremely important, will continue to be important, the, uh, the engagement with customers, whether it's on Yelp or Google or Facebook or TripAdvisor. But the foundational part of the solution is what we call our business listing optimization. And this is really, and I do say it's foundational because I think most business for the majority of the business, if not all of them, have addressed what their visibility is online. And what I mean by that is foundationally, you need to be able to have your listing on top sites like Yelp, like Google, like Facebook, and be able to have the accurate and robust information on those sites. So you, A, have to make sure that your information is accurate. And that's really important across all sites because Google's algorithm when it comes to search engine optimization or SEO, they look at the consistency and the accuracy of that business's content on all of those sites. So as an example, you need to make sure that on Yelp, you have the your address on there, and that address matches exactly the same address that you have on Google. There's businesses out there that may say, we're on 123 Elm Street, and street will be spelled out on Yelp, but on Google, they'll abbreviate street to ST, period. And that, believe it or not, definitely sets back the SEO side of the business because Google, their algorithm, when you're searching as a consumer, they want to see consistency across the board. So that's one element. The second one is, is they also want to see review content. They, they measure that. So the more reviews you have, the more higher you're going to get ranked in SEO. The other thing is, is that they want to see if you're engaging, so responding to those reviews. And then thirdly, they want to see photos on that site too. So from a business listing optimization perspective, we help businesses get those sites set up, get them claimed, get them enhanced, and make sure that they're accurate. So that's the first thing. Then I mentioned the platform, which also allows you on the review reputation management side. We've talked a bit about that. We also have an analytics, which is primarily for the bigger brands that have, let's say, 20 locations or more, where we actually go in and do what we call a BPA, business performance analysis, taking all the review content, taking their competitors that they've identified review content, and getting in and comparing exactly what are they doing well and what are they not doing so well. And we also, through a non-disclosure agreement, get the financial information from the client. So we overlay that and we're able to identify financially where they should really be focusing to increase their revenues. So those are that, that's kind of the, a, a broad brush stroke of, of our solution suite. And then you were talking about integration of some social media services? Yeah. One of the voids that we have, and, and we're called merchant-centric for a reason because we really do focus the business on what's most important to the merchant or the business. And one of the things our customers have continued and clients have continued to come back and ask for, and by the way, 
we have a 98.3% retention rate, which is unheard of. So not only do we keep our clients once they join up with us and we have the privilege and the pleasure of serving them, they actually add more products as well. But one of the things they've been asking for and we are now developing is, okay, we got the review sites taken care of. What about on the social side, like Instagram, like Twitter, like Facebook posts? Those That's different than Facebook reviews. So we're in the process right now with our phenomenal technology team and uh, led by Anthony Patassi, building out and making sure, and this should be available probably Q3 right now, to integrate into the platform. So not only will it be the review content, it will be what we call the social management part, which is, again, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook posts. That's fantastic. So if you have a tremendous background in business development and growth strategy for companies, uh, tell me a little bit about your prospecting opportunities, like what types of clients are you looking for and what process do you go through in trying to gain new clients and what is the biggest selling point with the opportunity to work with a new brand? Sure. So great question. We're, I, even though we've been around Merchant Centric for a little over seven years, we still consider ourselves a startup and we will be, in fact, probably within the next week, be looking to expand our sales team. Right now, we have two parts of our company. We have direct sales and we have business development. And uh, we are a growing company, so we're going to be looking to hire if anybody out there is interested. We're based out of Westlake Village uh, here outside of L.A., and we are working remotely right now and probably will continue to, so you don't have to necessarily come into the office on a daily basis. But to answer your question, we are looking at those core verticals and reaching out to them. We have all the content, the review content for those brands. So let's say we wanted to go out. Peter mentioned McDonald's earlier. That's a huge brand, obviously. But let's use them as the example. We have all the reviews for McDonald's, so we could go to them and say, hey, here's what you guys are doing. Here's what McDonald's is doing well based on your review content. Here's where the consumers are saying you have challenges and you need to improve. That type of prospecting and that data helps us get our foot in the door to be able to pitch and sell our overall solution. So our data is phenomenal to be able to get our foot in the door. So we have a direct sales team, and then we have partnerships, uh, which I will call resellers, that go out and work in specific segments where they've actually integrated our solution and our data into their platform to be able to sell it to their customer base. So those are two ends. I can also share with you that we have private equity firms coming to us with all the data, and they're utilizing our data and analyzing our data to help understand what's going on with a potential acquisition. So they'll use our data as uh, just another source, a resource to, to analyze acquisitions and such. So there's a lot of different angles of expanding this company, but we remain very committed to staying focused on direct sales and biz dev partnerships. And so talking through some of those brands that you're currently working with, can you share who some of those brands are and some of the success stories and different ways that they've leveraged your services? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And thanks for asking. On the restaurant side, uh, we firehouse subs. When when they started with us, they were at about 700 locations. They're up to 1,200 now in the last few years. They've grown significantly. They've been a client of ours for uh, five years now. We Fogo de Chow is another one, Umami Burger, and just Walk-Ons. Walk-Ons is a great success story. Brandon, who was a walk-on at LSU for the basketball team, and he, uh, his partner is a gentleman by the name of Drew Brees, for those of you who uh, are familiar with the New Orleans Saints. He's, he was the quarterback. He just retired. But uh, they're growing. I, I heard uh, Brandon on CNBC just recently 
say that they already have 150 walk-ons locations pre-sold. So they're in growth mode and they're an emerging brand. On the automotive side, uh, Jiffy Lube, uh, one of our great customers, Christian Brothers, based out of Texas, they're also in growth mode. And then you've got health services, like I mentioned, VCA, uh, which is one of the largest vet hospitals. They've been a client of ours for over five years. Dignity Memorial is the cemetery mortuary business that I had mentioned earlier. So we've got a really diverse group of customers and clients. And whether they have one location or they have you know, 2,000 locations, we respect and love them all. That's fantastic. So let's kind of shift gears for a moment and talk about your entrepreneurial journey. At the beginning of the show, you were talking about how your business partner had convinced you to basically go from corporate America into the wonderful world of entrepreneurship. Can you tell us a little bit first about when you were making that decision, did you have any apprehensions around it, and what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced? Sure. Uh, <laughs> apprehensions, absolutely. It took them a year for me to convince to walk away from corporate America. Do I still have apprehensions? Absolutely. I mean, it's the most challenging yet rewarding position and opportunity that I've ever had. And I can tell you and, and all those entrepreneurs who have started their own business can relate to this. It is really, really, really hard to not only build a business, but start it from the ground up and when I mentioned we have almost 50 team members, I mean, I, it's not only the 50 team members, but it's all of their significant others, their children, their wife, their spouse, whomever it may be. I mean, those are all part of the company, and we take that very seriously. So going back to that decision-making process, it was difficult, and it was rewarding, though. So we started, we're literally, my business partner Adam and I started going out and knocking on doors locally here to see if our, we could sell this solution and get feedback from local merchants, and we did that. There's nothing like just walking into a business, and we didn't even have our solution built yet, but it gave us feedback, and then we were able to pre-sell a few, and then ultimately we grew it from there. So from an entrepreneurial perspective, it's great knowing that you have you control your destiny. I can tell you there's pros and cons to corporate America versus uh, owning your own business. When you're at a big corporation, you have a lot more resources, a lot more funds to tap into but you have a lot more bureaucracy. And so I would not take back being an entrepreneur, you know, at all. I think that there's, like I said, nothing more rewarding to be able to see your business grow, but most importantly, see the smiles and hear the great feedback we're getting from our clients when we're helping them generate more revenue. Well, when you're talking through about the stresses of, I I think that's such a good point that we should delve a little deeper into is like when you're starting out, it's okay to be feeling like I think taking risks on your own as an entrepreneur because the only person that you're really impacting at that point is yourself and and you and your business partner working together on that. But as a business expands and grows and you start building a team and then they're relying on you financially, there's a lot of pressure associated with that. I mean, a lot of times I think people just think about entrepreneurship from the fact of freedom and flexibility, but two quotes I've heard a lot. One is you leave working 40 hours a week for someone else to work 80 hours a week for yourself. And then another quote that I've never forgotten is someone said, no, you're not working for yourself. You're working for your clients. They're your, they're your new boss. But, and those things are kind of somewhat obvious if you've been an entrepreneur for as long as, as you have on your journey, but the whole financial responsibility aspect, that really is, that's a stressful part of running a business. 
it's it's a really stressful part and i mean we i, I did this when i was in corporate america as well i mean you got to really manage all your dollars and your cents but even more so it's under a microscope you make one bad decision that can be times 10 when you're working uh on your own and, and have your own company where maybe it's not the case with a corporation. So every dollar, every cent is extremely valuable. I can tell you that one of the things that, and I get asked this quite a bit, what do you need to be a successful business? And the first thing in this order is I have strong faith. Number one is faith in God. So that's number one. The second thing is, is family. You got to make sure, and by the way, when we interview new team members coming on board, we want to talk to their spouse or their significant other, or even their kids. We welcome that because that person, to your point, Tracy, is going to be spending more than 40 hours working and helping us build our company because it is our company. It's not my company. It's not Adam's company. It's our company. So the number two thing is make sure that you have the support. I have a phenomenal wife and Margie and my kids, Brian and Lauren. They have been with this you know, since day one and have been extremely supportive. Uh, and that, that's a must or else it's not going to be successful. Because your professional life carries over to your personal life and vice versa. Uh, the third thing is, is finding the right business partner. I've talked a little bit about Adam, and we've worked together for over 20 years. We are the yang and the yang, but we complement each other extremely well. That's really important. And I would put as 3B or 3A, and I think they're interchangeable, make sure that you have the right investors. Our investors are phenomenal. We have several investors who have built businesses from the ground up and have had very successful exits. And they are very engaged when we need them to be, and they've always been there. So that's the that that would be the other element of it is make sure that you have, if you're still privately held, which we are, have the right investors. So my question is with investors, I mean, those are like your bosses as well, right? You know, you have to follow what they want and do what they want. So it's almost like having your own boss, even though you're on your own. And my question is, how much of an influence is that? Because if you have an investor and they've invested money, uh, they're going to tell you, hey, it has to be done this way. And you say, well, that's not our way. You, you, you hired us to do it, per se. How does that work out? Yeah, uh, then I would not have that investor as part of our company if they tell us how to do it. I can tell you that, again, we are extremely blessed to have the investors that we have. And we spend a lot of time up front, just like they did with us. Believe me, they're not investing in the company unless they understand it inside and out. This was not somebody just showing up and saying, we're going to write you an X amount of dollar check. And again, we've raised millions and millions in this company. So, And we take that very seriously, obviously. So to answer your question, Peter, from day one, we really have what I would say four lead investors. All four of them have different elements and different skill sets that they bring to the table. And not once have we ever been told that you can't do that. And we've been suggested, recommended strongly. And by the way, these are very successful people. So, of course, we're going to take that into account. But there has never been any animosity, angst amongst us. There's been some tough discussions, but that's all part of going back to what I was laying out to make sure you have the right investors. Because if they're coming in and they don't make it clear on what they are looking for as far as a timeline with an exit, if you decide to do that, or how much they're looking to put in, or understanding that your business may need more money than you originally anticipated, because that's always the case, those things are all critical up front when you're talking to potential investors. So, Tracy, you had a question, mm -hmm. I had a question, and we're going to try to see if we can pound some questions out at this man. Mr. David. Sounds Bay. great. <laughs> I just wanted to circle I wanted to circle back on the topic of investors. I think one of the big challenges for entrepreneurs scaling businesses is when is the right time to seek investor capital? Can you give us some insight on your experience? Yeah, absolutely, Tracy. Thanks for the question. So 
Adam and I were fortunate enough when we started the business that we had a, a little bit of money in savings and we put our own money into the company and actually did not take any salary or compensation for almost two years, which was extremely difficult, obviously. And that's, again, going back to having the support of our of our wives and family was very important. So what we did is, is purposely did that to be able to go out and do a proof of concept be able to focus the uh, the technology and our solution locally. And once we were able to do that and it was time to scale, then we needed to go out and get money. So I would say once you go out and you prove something, you show the value, you show that there's a need by the customer base and you're able to fulfill that need, then it's time to scale. And we knew we wanted to get that out there quickly. So that's when we went out and sought to private investment from, uh, like I said, a handful of investors. So, David, some of the people calling in and they want to know, based on your background and experience, if you can give them, provide some tips, what you would do uh, if you were starting a business and how you would scale it. What I will, first of all, you got to make sure that there's something out there that the potential customer needs. I mean, you hear this a lot in, when you're going to and speaking with entrepreneurs, but you got to understand what the need is. And then I would say, try and I, I'm sincere about trying to bootstrap it, meaning use your own money, try to do it on your own with yourself. Although I would strongly suggest getting a business partner. There's no way I could have done this on my own or Adam could have done it on his own. I'll speak on his behalf because we've been working together for 20 years and I know he would say the same thing. So find the right person, the partner, go out there, and like I said, stay local and test it. And nowadays with technology, you don't have to be local. You can try it in different areas across the country, even internationally, if the solution's right. And then just hunker down and make sure that you're getting a renewal from that client because it's one thing to sign them up, but it's a, it's a whole other thing for them to come back and say, I want this again. You know, whether it's a six-month term or a year term or whatever the case may be. And by the way, one other thing I would share that I didn't touch on, but I think it's really important, is for businesses out there that want to increase revenue, there's a study out there that we reference, the Harvard Business School study, that every one-star increase in your reputation. So if you can take your reputation for your business from, let's say, three stars to four stars, that is a 5 to 9% increase in your revenue. So that adds up pretty significantly. And our analysis that we've done shows it's 4% to 17%. So whatever it is, by increasing your reputation, by upping your rating on Yelp and Google, Facebook, so on and so forth, you're going to generate significant increase in dollars and um, hopefully profitability. So that's uh, something I wanted to touch base. And how is the easiest way to increase your ratings? Believe it or not, and we have this proven, is by responding to reviews. It's amazing how many businesses still are not responding to all of their reviews. That's the other thing I want to hammer home. Some businesses out there just think that they should only reply to negative reviews. And all that does is highlight the negative reviews when consumers are looking at your business, considering going to your location, your business, to experience what? Well, if you reply to a review, it's going to highlight that negative review. So reply to all of them. If somebody comes into your business and gives you a compliment, you're not going to turn around and walk away. So why do you do that online? You should reply to every single review. And we've seen time and time again, by just engaging, your ratings will go up because consumers appreciate uh, dialoguing online. Well, that was fantastic advice on that review thing. I think I'm going to do that myself. Thank you very much, David. I appreciate it. Tracy, great show. KHS 1220, 98.1 FM. Thank you very much. 
Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian radio show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.